Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Lost in the Long Box. I'm Thomas. Here with... And I'm Enos. I'm the madman. Over there on the boards. Randy is not here with us tonight. He's a professional vacationer, so he'll be uh, doing his thing, <laughs> you know. So I, how you guys doing? How was your uh, how was your Christmas, your New Year's, all that good stuff? Oh, it was great. Nice break. Uh, got some time off from work. Got an opportunity just to relax a little bit, put some things into perspective, man. It's always good to have that. Oh, yeah. My dad came down along with my stepmom, and we got to spend some time together. And cool. Yeah. The wife and I were in bed uh, by 10 o'clock New Year's Eve, though. Wow, I bet. Yeah. Yeah, not, not really interested in staying up till the ball dropped. Uh, she, she was tired. I said, are you ready to go to bed at 10 o'clock? And she said, yep. I said, let's do this. And no, I was it. out like a light. I I'm know, not even going to lie. I'm not even going to lie. If that makes me old, then I'm old. Hey. And I'm okay with that. And I'm okay with that. They were, I didn't I didn't turn in as early. I like to see it come in, but I was with my brothers, my my, my friends, my circle. Um, I had worked a little late, so I got to their, to their place in time, got opportunity to eat a little something and enjoy a little fellowship with them. Saw the year come in, left, went home, and hit the sack. Mm-hmm. I was, when I got home, I was gone, just like you. Yeah, I didn't want to be out late because I just— I just don't want to be on the roads at oh, midnight. Yeah. You know, no, no desire to be. It's asking for trouble in midnight on on uh, New Year's Eve. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah it is. Yeah, it's yeah, it asking is. for trouble. So I didn't want to do that. It is definitely those times when you're safest at home. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. And we, you know, the wife and I aren't partiers or anything like that. You know, oh yeah. Dad was in town, so we we had dinner with him and my uh, my aunt and uncle, and that was that was good. I mean, sometimes that's all you need. Yeah, it's the simple things, man. Yeah, that's all I needed. It was good. Now, twenty year old me would have thought that was the lamest New Year's ever. Ah yeah. You know, forty-two-year-old me is like, this is pretty, pretty good. Oh yeah, yeah. So let's get on to some news for the for this evening. Um, I got a good one for you here, Enos. You're gonna love this What's one. That? Our boy Rob Liefeld. Oh is, lord, what is, has he uh, done now? He he's bringing back Prophet, the the character Prophet again, and he wants to celebrate fifty issues. So here's the thing: Prophet's previous ongoing series ended at issue number forty-five. And then there was a six-issue miniseries after that. So 45 plus six is 51. Is 51. So I don't know how he's, gonna, how he's planning on celebrating 50 issues. Is he going to start back over at 46 and climb up to 50 and pretend the miniseries didn't happen? Is he going to start over at number one and you know, hope to get to issue 50? Mm. Or is he just pulling a Rob Liefeld? Sounds like he's pulling a Rob Liefeld. Madman, yeah. your thoughts? Yeah, probably pulling a Rob Liefeld. Yeah, because let's face it, 45 plus 6 is 51. Uh, yeah, so he's um, already surpassed it. Yeah, so it's already surpassed you know, 50 total issues, even though one was an ongoing, the other was a miniseries. So so we'll see what happens there. I'm, I'm not going to pick that up. I'm not interested in Rob Liefeld uh, writing or art, and I'm not interested in Profit, the character. So uh, yeah, yeah, that's that's the thing for me. Don't yeah. care. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not interested in that. I just thought it was kind of funny that he was bringing back uh, Profit and was looking forward to issue number 50. I wasn't quite sure how he's arriving at that, but yeah, we'll see. It's Liefeld, man. Yep. It's funny that you brought that up because I was listening to the show that we did when I did introduce that um, segment, the uh, you the Lost in the Long Box, You Big Dummy Award, and uh, we talked about Liefeld, what he said about DC. It's, fun, it's how ironic that we get here tonight and he's the first thing on for for the first show of the new year. Well, you had to, you had to lead with him, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. He, he's great. He's great. We we love Rob. Not you know honestly love Rob, but right. we we love when he does. You know when he talks on Twitter because it's just like what. 
So Marvel is encouraging comic shops to host a launch party for their upcoming Wolverine number one. This uh, will be his the character's first ongoing in six years. Mm-hmm. And for this special occasion, Marvel is allowing retailers to begin <clears throat> selling the title at midnight on the day of the release. So it's going to have a midnight release. It is scheduled to debut on February 19th, so next month. Uh, Wolverine number one will be have several marketing efforts by the publisher, promotional items, and of course, variant covers. 72. 72? Variant, variant covers. <laughs> I haven't heard an official release, but you know it's going to be up there. Right. Right. There's going to be, you know, one for 25, one for 50, one for 100, one for 1,000, and all kinds of store related variants and everything like that. You know it's going to be up there. And people are going to buy them all. Um, I don't really have anything on who, who the creative team's going to be, but I'm sure, you know, it's Wolverine number one. People are going to buy it. Yeah, Wolverine is still, he's kind of like the gift that keeps on giving, man. No one ever gets tired of him. Right. He's a hot character. And, yeah. You know. And it's like, and what what I will say is good about Wolverine is that even though he and Venom are the one, the two characters that Marvel beats everybody up with because they're overexposed. Wolverine has the edge because there's just something about him. Even though we know more about him than we did, he's still a very interesting character. Yeah, I think I preferred him before the Wolverine Origins, though. Yeah. I think I probably would have preferred not knowing who he was. Who he was. What, exactly. I mean, don't get me wrong. It was a good story. Oh, yeah. I enjoyed, this, I, I enjoyed the story, but I, I think it's better off not knowing who someone like Wolverine is. Right, and, and, and that just adds to the mystery. Yeah. And I think what what I would like to see, and I think they had started doing that until they came up with the Wolverine the end, were adding bits and pieces to make you think there's more to this than what we've been told. Yeah. So so it's it's going to be very interesting to see what they do with him. Yeah, yeah, we'll see what happens. I might pick it up. I might try to pick up one of them. I've always liked the character. I used to own his first appearance, you know, as, as oh, yeah. well-known fact. I, I had uh, 181 at one time, but, mm-hmm. yeah, I did did sell it to help pay for my wedding. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that at all. It's one of the best uh, comic book sales I ever made. Hey, one man. of the only comic book sales. Hey man, I ever look made. at the dividend you got, man. You got a great lady for a wife, brother. Yes, I did. Yeah, so, and we had a great day. So yeah. I, it was worth every penny that yes, I'm selling. That I regret nothing. Hey, that's how it's supposed to be, bro. That's right. The, the guy that sold it to me, he loves that story too, mm-hmm. because you know he, he's like, I like the fact that it you know had a an effect on your life like that. It was mm-hmm. that's that's really great. So what news you got for us, Enos? Well, I got a couple pieces of news. Um, Galactus has a new herald, ladies and gentlemen, and you will never guess who it is. Now, if um, you have picked it up, please forgive me for spawning it. But for those of you who haven't, Galactus's new herald is none other than the mighty Thor. What? Uh, yes. The mighty Thor himself last week and uh, was Donnie Cates, who's the hot rider at Marvel, uh, he and uh, I think the artist is Nick Klein. Mm-hmm. Uh, first issue came out last week. There's some great covers to it. Art Germ put out one awesome cover. I put some of the covers on the, my Facebook page, so you guys check them out. And um, this from what um, my good friend Mike Porter, what's up, Mike? He uh, told me, was telling me in a conversation that the story was good, and I've heard, heard on the average it's kind of like, up and down, but everything is pretty much favorable. Mm-hmm. We get the old Thor back, we get Miona back, but it is with um, he becomes the herald for Galactus. So I am dying to see uh, what this, where this is going to go, especially since Odin went actually was able to grow himself 
to the same size as um, Galactus and go head up with him. Hmm. And and I'm like, so anybody can, um, as far as I'm concerned, the baddest of the bad in the Marvel Universe, as far as I'm concerned, is Odin. Because anyone who can stand toe-to-toe and go blow-to-blow with um, Galactus has my respect. Yeah. And I'm you know, I'm gonna definitely wanna check this out when I can get up to uh to flashback this weekend to pick up my, my new books. Right. Um I enjoyed Donnie Cates' run on Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. So and I've always liked Thor. So okay. I I'm assuming that I'm probably gonna like this. Well well from what I have well, what I have heard, Donnie Cates is the hot property at uh mm-hmm. far as writers go at Marvel, and this will be my first exposure to him. Yeah, really, he, his, his run on Guardians of the Galaxy was really good. Okay. Um, I've heard good things about Venom. I'm not a huge Venom fan, so I didn't bother right, checking right. that out. But um, Guardians of the Galaxy was good, so I'm expecting to like Thor. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And and um, if you get, like I said, you guys get the opportunity to take a look at the covers that I put up on my Facebook page and the uh, Superheroes Comics and Pop Culture page. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very excited about this. It's, it's, um, they took. A lot drew from a lot of different inspirations. You see the Olivier Copiel, um, the chain mail that he wore, and you have the headband from the crossing, the Avengers crossing Mike Diodato design mm-hmm. that he did back in um, the late 90s. So there's, there's a, um, an amalgam of different inspirations there and he of course he still has the red cape and everything but it looks good and yeah. i will be i'm gonna be heading the gateway tomorrow and picking mine up okay good deal good deal what else you got for us i think there was a couple other oh, things yes, you wanted to talk there was about. one more thing uh for those of you who haven't um heard renowned uh director british director terry gilliam unleashed an all-out attack on black panther called it called the movie BS and said that the cast and crew never went to Africa. And I'm trying to figure out, <laughs> I mean, didn't you even, how can you say something when you didn't even bother to watch it? And anyone who, well, guys, have you seen or, or owned the seen, DVD? I, I, had, I don't own it, but we did see it in the theater and I enjoyed it. I thought okay. it was a good movie. And, um, and um, they're behind the scenes. On the uh, because they just um, released the movie strictly on Blu-ray, mm-hmm. and there's some behind the scenes where these folks really went to Africa, and there were actually um, folks from African nations who participated in this movie. So I'm Mr. Gilliam. My question to you is this: How can you go on a rant about something and call it utter BS when number one, it made over a billion dollars um, worldwide? Number one, but I want to also talk about the cultural impact. And we talked about this before, and I'm not going to stay on this too long. But the one thing, overwhelming thing that I took from Black Panther is when I looked around in the audience at every, I saw the movie three times. And every movie theater that I was in, I went to one in Richmond, I went to Paragon, and I went to, um, I believe it was the one in Tappahannock, where, close to where I live. And you saw people of all races and backgrounds in every theater. You couldn't hear a pin drop. You actually could watch the movie. No one was talking, being rude and obnoxious. And the conversations that people were having after the movie. Yeah. Was was like, it, it just blew my mind. So, Mr. Gilliam, I say wholeheartedly, you don't know what the hell you're talking about. That's right. His his best superhero movie was uh, 
uh, the adventures of Baron Munchausen. Yeah, exactly. And and I mean, I mean, if 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 it's one thing to have an honest criticism about a movie, but but some of the things you said, I'm not even going to bother to repeat because they're not worth repeating. But because it wasn't a, it wasn't a constructive criticism. It was downright. Um, it was downright cruel what you said, and and it was a slap in the face to Ryan Coogler, Chadwick Boseman. Um, and even to Jack Kirby and Stan Lee, who created the character, and and really there is no place for that. Yeah. It's one thing again. It was one thing to have an honest. Um, to, if you don't like the movie, you don't like, and have honest criticism of what was wrong. But but to say the things that you said when number one, what you said wasn't true, and number two, you haven't even bothered to watch the movie to really form an opinion. But above all, and not look at how it brought people together and the cultural impact that this movie had. I haven't seen a movie do that in a long time. I, I think I'm going to be honest with y'all. You want to know the last movie I saw brought people together that did that? Hmm. Straight out of Compton. Ah, I never saw that. So I, 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 I could not believe the number of the, the amount of people of different races that were in that movie theater, enjoying it and talking afterward and the, and prior and that was the movie prior to that that that, that I that I saw had that kind of impact. Yeah. So um, Mr. Gilliam, stick to Monty Python and shut up. Mm. Well, speaking of movies, um, the Joker one did well at the Golden Globes. It took what three? Yes, uh, best actor for Joaquin Phoenix <clears throat> and best host for Ricky Gervais. <laughs> <laughs> and um. And best dressed, Carrie Washington. Let me start. <laughs> there you go. And um, um, best best actor, best uh, musical score, and it I would was agree with that wholeheartedly. And uh, was it? And man, man, was it original screenplay? Something like that. I can't remember what the I what the third one was. It. I was laughing too hard for what Ricky was talking. About. Oh well, I wasn't you, paying attention. Well, you want to know something? If you really want to know the truth about it, he made some good points, but they did it anyway. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, anytime I, I love the fact that that Joker did so well at the Golden Globes because anytime a uh, a comic book based movie performs well, it's good for us. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. 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 All, oh yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, we talked about it on an earlier episode. It used to be that you know being a comic book fan was made you a nerd and you were unpopular. And you know when you were in high school, that could get you beaten up. Now, well, now not anymore. Yeah, now, now we're the cool kids. Now they're accepting awards for it. That's yeah. right. Now we're getting awards for it. So well, congratulations to them. Exactly. We're super and, happy. But 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 I'm gonna be honest with y'all. Were y'all really surprised that Joaquin Phoenix got that? No, I'm not. No. He was uh, he that was, was an great. Excellent performance. Hey. Yeah, he was. It was excellent. My wife loved that movie. Yeah. Well, loved well, that but movie. that's right because we all went to see that. Mm -hmm. and, and 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 I'm not gonna lie. It made a believer out of me because I had no intention of seeing this movie. I didn't either. And, and and it was just like the more press. And, you know, always like hanging with you guys anyway. So, you know, it, it was a win-win situation because I really started, my interest started getting picked when I kept seeing the press on it. And when I was not prepared for how good that movie was, and yes, I will be picking it up when I leave from here to, um, tonight, because it, it nice. is out, ladies and gentlemen, on DVD and Blu-ray released yesterday. All right. Well, before we get to the new books, Madman, you want to go ahead and take a moment and pay our bills? Uh, sure. Can I do my, like, gravelly uh, Batman voice? You may. Do, do your thing, Rock Bob. it out, my friend. Lost in the Long Box is sponsored by Flashback Comics, <laughs> located out of Woodbridge, Virginia. And they have tons of new comics, back issues, trade paperbacks, toys, and statues. 
That's horrible. <laughs> hey, it's better than what I could do, so I'll uh, give you that. Yeah. I'll tell you what is awesome, though, is Flashback Comics and everything they got for your comic book needs. Exactly. Yeah. You can find them at 3112 PS Business Drive, just off Smoketown Road there in Woodbridge, Virginia. They're open Monday through Saturday from 10 a.m. to 6.30 p.m., and on Sundays, they're open from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. Be sure to tell them that Lost in the Long Box sent you. It helps us, it helps you, it helps them. I think you'll really enjoy uh, meeting with Troy. He's a heck of a good guy, and he knows a lot about One his comics. One of the best. Yeah, he knows quite a bit about comics and can certainly point you in the right direction if you have any questions. I had no. a splinter in my finger once, and he helped. He got like a credit card, and he like, like scraped got the, it. Got yeah. He was real nice. Multi-talented guy. Uh, yeah. Multi-talented guy. <laughs> So for new books this week, I don't have a whole lot, but there's a, there's a, a couple that I uh, there's a couple here that I am excited about. Um, the Marvel Avenger uh, Black Widow is getting a a little golden book. Do you guys remember the little golden books from back yeah. in the day? Yeah, they're going to be there's going to be a Black Widow little golden book. It's going to be uh, directed towards kids ages two to five. Oh, that's cool. You know, it's about and it's about you know the Black Widow and her friends and enemies and everything like that. This is this is great. Yeah. Um... This is great. I mean, it's got to be. Is it going to be a, a watered down version of the character? Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Because there, it's directed towards kids ages t- two to five. Yeah, I tell you, I tell you what. I what I got for my niece for Christmas was um, like four books that were like uh, Justice League and Avengers. Mm-hmm. Uh, one like uh, DC Girl Super, it was like Batgirl and mm-hmm. uh, you know Starfires stuff. Like yeah, that. it was like. Oh yeah, I'm definitely getting this for my niece. Right? Oh yeah, I love the fact that they're directing this towards you know younger readers like this because yeah, yeah that way we can get them interested in, in superheroes early. Absolutely, yeah. but the problem is draw them in early. I gave the, this gift to her in 2019, mm-hmm. and uh, you know there's a bunch of uh, iPads and iPhones and stuff out there and stuff like that. And her parents got her one of those Power Wheel things, you know those. Oh wheels. yeah, yeah. I never had one of those, but drive, I wanted one so yeah. bad. Drive 15 miles an hour in this you know big plastic cart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's never going to read those. Oh yeah. Not not when you have a Power Wheels, right? But yeah, I mean, she might one day. One I, day. That that's one. That's what. That's one of those toys I've always wanted, never had was a Power Wheels. Oh yeah. And now I'm too big to fit in one. That's why I picked up my comic books. And I don't. And I don't <laughs> need one. And I don't need one anymore because I have an actual car. But you know, I wanted one. <laughs> yeah, I'm over it now. <laughs> yeah, I'm over it now. Uh, DC is bringing out Dollar Comics Brave and the Bold uh, 197, which reprints the Earth 2 Batman and Catwoman marriage. Getting married, yeah. So, so that's uh, that's pretty interesting. You know, uh, I believe that story was called The Autobiography of Bruce Wayne. Uh, it could be. I don't really remember. But, but yeah, I thought that was you know, pretty interesting with you know, the, uh, the failed marriage going through here not too long ago that they'd uh, go ahead and reprint that. Oh, I got a little something on that. Oh yeah, <laughs> but um, but other new releases this week: Batman '86, The Amazing Spider-Man number thirty-seven, The Immortal Hulk number twenty-nine. I'm hearing some good things about this book, even though they have went towards the horror horror route. They're saying mm-hmm. I've never considered the Hulk horror, but um, this I've heard nothing but good things about this book. I've heard good things about it too. I've never been a huge Hulk reader. Right. I've, you know, a few things here and there. Planet Hulk was great. World War Hulk was great. Well, um, but as a regular ongoing reader, I've never been much of one. Right. So, but I, I've heard good things about a moral Hulk. There's a lot of people that seem to like it. Yeah. And um, I think the last time somebody really did something with the Hulk that was really good was what you just mentioned. Um, World War Hulk. Greg Pak was just freaking oh, yeah. awesome. World War what Hulk is he doing amazing. that? Does anybody know what where, if he's know. what he's doing these days? Because you don't hear about him much. Yeah. I remember in World War Hulk when he uh, beat the daylights out of Black Bolt. 
Oh, yeah. And he held him up and says, I didn't come to hear you whisper. I came to hear you scream. I was like, oh, it's on now. Oh, yeah. And I knew we were in for a great one. And we were. We were. Well, uh, here's the thing, though, about writing the Hulk or any kind of uh, comic book character, if you ask me, is that it, they kind of can cross many different genres. Like, it can be action. You can write a Hulk story as an action story. You can write Hulk as a horror story or, you know, the Jekyll and Hyde story. Right. Uh, the Bill Bixby show. It was a drama. Yeah. You know? And so it was. Uh, it's interesting how you can take a lot of these uh, characters and write them in different situations, and it kind of changes the flavor. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. You want to know, Madman? You probably well, time you were around, around it. You watched the show too. One of the things about the well, you want to know the thing the everlasting appeal to me about the Incredible Hulk was about the Incredible Hulk TV show was what's that? That was an example of something that darn near deviated from everything you knew about the character and made it better. Mm-hmm. It was uh, my only complaint: the Hulk didn't talk. I yeah. wanted to hear Lou Ferrigno talk. Yeah, I wanted that was the, that was the only thing I that if I had a gripe about that show, I wanted to hear Lou Ferrigno talk. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie. One of my favorite parts about that show was the theme song. Oh yeah, the intro and the and, and, the, the, and the walking when he away walks song. Away, oh yeah, 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 that, yeah. that's classic. Seventies uh, where you couldn't. Oh yeah, that's you classic. You couldn't have uh, you couldn't have a hit TV show without a, a good theme song. Yeah. Oh no, the, the theme song oh, no. to that show was amazing. Hey man, Friday nights was on when I was growing up. The incredible Wonder Woman at eight and the Incredible Hulk at nine. Man, I mean you couldn't couldn't beat it. Yeah. Uh, another great one, one to look at coming out today is Star Number One, uh, coming out of the ca- uh, pages of Captain Marvel, uh, written by Kelly Thompson. Uh, if you guys remember, this is the character that first appeared. Um, well, Ripley Ryan actually first appeared in Captain Marvel Number One, as we went over a few weeks back in the books that you're uh, that you're overlooking. Um, but she actually appeared as Star for the first time in Captain Marvel Number Eight. Um, she was a villain. It was Doctor Minerva's attempt at a Kree human uh, super soldier. And she was stealing strength from, from Captain Marvel. Uh, she failed, left defeated and powerless and in the raft. And it looks like she's gotten a hold of the reality stone. So we'll have uh-huh. to see where, where this is going to go here. I, I enjoyed the character personally and in the arc that she was in with Captain Marvel because I was enjoying that book. So I'm going to have to pick this up and see where this goes. And also one that's probably of interest to a lot of people, Miles Morales, The End. The Number end. one. Oh, what's that all about? Uh, let's see here. I just had that up here a few moments ago. Got a full screen again? Got a full screen again. We're good to go. Okay. It says here, the final Miles Morales story. Humanity makes its, final, makes its last stand in the only place strong enough to survive, Brooklyn. Former Spider-Man Miles Morales leaves the last bastion of um, civilization. So this is, um, I wonder if this is some kind of apocalypse store or something like that. Yeah, I think these, there's there's several of these that I think they're coming out called The End. I think it's like supposed to be the character's quote unquote last story. Right. You know, that they're doing it like either, it's probably either set in a future timeline or an alternate reality or something like that. I don't really know a whole lot about it, but. Um, right. And yeah. what have you guys heard about Morbius the Living Vampire? Uh, not a lot. I didn't check it out. I like the character, but I just, I didn't think I was going to be interested in a Morbius ongoing person. Right, right. Well, number three came out today, and there's this book uh, DC put out today, uh, Daphne Byrne. And it's about, um, I guess it's more like some kind of gothic thriller or something. Is this one of the ones on on Joe Hill's line? Yep. Yeah, one of the the horror books, yeah. I've got a couple of those. I haven't read them yet, but I I want to check them out. Basket Full of Heads and uh, the Dollhouse one. And we got Red Sonya number 12, Witchblade number 17. 
And a lot of good stuff came out today. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Wednesday's always one of the best days of the week. Well, yeah, we always love our Wednesdays. I remember an old comic book store I used to have go to had a picture of Batman and Superman together and says, comic books, why we love Wednesdays. Exactly. Because, exactly. you know, it's the best day of the week. Oh, here's one for you, Madman, Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. <laughs> uh, why is that one for me? I don't, I don't know, because she, she has great legs. I don't think that's what anyone was ever looking I'm at when really, it came to Elvira. I'm more What's into it? personality. She's not doesn't seem like my type. No, it doesn't seem like your type. <laughs> <laughs> so let's take a look at what we got for show and tell yeah. this week. I mean, really, what kind of conversations would you have with Elvira? Spooky ones. Spooky yeah. Ones. yeah. <laughs> so, do you ever talk about anything other than snakes and the po- potions? Nah, exactly. <laughs> and and the macabre and the yeah. morbid. Woohoo! Woohoo! Let's watch some cartoons or something. <laughs> what you got for us this week, Enos? What, okay. what you got to show off? I got me and Mad Man's favorite uh, artist, Neil Adams. Detective Comics number 402. The introduction of Man Bat. Man Bat. Dr. Kirk Langstrom. Hold it up closer to the camera. I'm sure people want to get it. You got it? There you go. Do you mean to do it or you got it? Yeah, I agree. I think I got it. How's that, Mad, Mad Man? That's so this is the first appearance of Man Bat, huh? Yes, sir. You know what they should have named him? What's that? Wayne Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, at what point? Uh, at See? What, how, <laughs> well, it's uh, it's funny because you're Man Bat, but you're mostly Bat. You're, mm-hmm. right. you're more Bat than Batman. It's right. Just, it seems like he, it seems like he should have been Batman. And Bruce yeah. Wayne should have been Man Bat. Right, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would. I think I would name this character Wayne Bruce. Mm. And um, one of the th- this story was later rep- um, um, done up a little bit to add Robin um, in a um, during the um, Power Records book and record uh, um, bonanza back in the day oh, yeah. called Robin Meets Man Bat, and you can hear that Ooh, story out, on yeah. on uh, on YouTube. And because they showed that, and there was another one they had called Stat Cars, both with art by the great Neil Adams. Neil Adams, yep, one of the best. Although I didn't particularly care for his most recent uh, one. What was it, Batman versus Rachel Ghoul? I got issue one of that, and I just I, I couldn't get into it. You want to know? I'm, I'm going to tell you why I wasn't, why that word doesn't work for me. Because the late great Dick Giordano, who inked his classic stuff back in the day, mm-hmm. is no longer with us. Because I think if he was still here, he would be inking that, and, and then you would probably yeah. really because Neil Neil Adams' art is what sells. Yeah, and that's what makes you get interested into the. Story. Yeah, when I heard it was a new Neil Adams book, I was all on board, and then I I wasn't crazy over issue one, so I didn't go for any of the others. So now Batman Odyssey was good. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. Confusing, but it was good. All right, for our next one comes from our uh, friend Madman over here, continuing his tradition of awesome and amazing Justice, Justice League oh, books. Man. Let's get that one up here. How about that? I love it. This is an amazing cover. Man, I love that- this. Got some, got some of the Justice Society on here. We see Sa- um, Sandman. I well, see some Red Tornado. Oh, yeah. Dr. Fate. Um, uh, I'm, a, I'm assuming that lightning bolt is uh, the Thunderbolt from Johnny Thunder. Probably. Probably. Yeah. The, yeah. Um, what, well, my favorite, there's two, two uh, couples here that I like on that cover. And that is, if you hold it up again, it is Green Arrow mm-hmm. and uh, Black Canary mm-hmm. there. They're yeah. looking up. It's like, did Superman sit in peanut butter? <laughs> All right. And, uh, you know, Superman is saying, 
For the Earth to live, one of us must die. It looks like Wonder Woman saying, obviously, it should be him, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is yeah. Justice League 102, by yeah, the way. 102. 102. Beautiful book, beautiful book. Done Continuing by his the, long tradition of bringing in some great Justice League books. And on, on the cover, done by one of the mainstays of DC, Mr. late great Mr. Nick Carty. And my contribution for tonight is? Nova. Nova, number one. The first appearance of Richard Ryder, a.k.a. Nova. This is a great book here. Yeah, it is. Pick this up for $10. Well, you left the, left the price tag on there. I left the price tag on. Hopefully, you guys can't see it. But I actually only paid 10 bucks for it because I had won a gift card to this store for 50 bucks. So ah, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. I figured I'd pick it up. I always liked, I always been a big fan of the character. Was a big fan of him in the New Warriors. Oh, yeah. Yep. That's the main reason why I wanted it because I grew up a New Warriors fan. Where he was listed as Kid Nova. He that, had a, that his his costume really, was uh, more brown than oh, it was yeah. then. Yeah, and that book gave, introduced a whole new generation of fans to that character, oh, yeah. too. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's what I loved about the New yeah. Warriors is that it was assembled for like a new generation. I, I like right, that. I mean, it was kids my age, so I yeah. loved it. Yeah. And, and, and it also um, was one of, the first, one of the first appearances of a character that was strictly created for a TV series to make its way into the mainstream comics, Firestar. Firestar, yep. Yeah, she'd been previously introduced, but Firestar's always been a good character. Yeah. So. Good mutant character. Hey, you guys got any of those uh, collectible cards they had like in the early 90s? Not anymore, but I had the whole set back then. I think I may have some sitting around. I think I have some holograms that I saved. Yeah, I got I, I got, got some. I've I thought very seriously about buying them again because I love those cards. They were fantastic. Dude, I got this um, Batman, uh, Batman set of cards. There's some good stuff. I got the Phantom uh, card set also. Some good stuff, man. I'm, uh, um, I got them in the album. Uh, just let me know when you want to bring them, man. We'll, we'll, we'll show them. Yeah, just bring them, bring them one night. We'll have to check them out. Yeah. Okay. So tonight's topic is going to be the great and legendary Bill Finger. Yes, sir. For those of you who don't know who Bill Finger was, he was the co-creator, among other things, he was the co-creator of Batman. Most people don't realize this because it was something that was kept for a, you know, from us for a very long time. But yes, he w- he had his hands all over Batman and was definitely as responsible for it as Bill Kane, as Bob Kane, rather. Sounds dirty. Yeah. Uh, yep. And uh, <laughs> I guess it does sound kind of dirty when you put it like that. Yeah, does his it? Hands all over Batman. Bill Finger had his hands oh, all over Batman. Batman. <laughs> yeah, that, that that doesn't sound good. Okay, I should I should have rethought that. And Batman fans, if you don't know already. Everything that you love about Batman, he is the guy that gave it to us. Because when his character was initially created, the one who took the credit for decades did not give us what we know now. If it wasn't for Bill Finger, Batman may never have gotten off the ground. Yeah, Bill Finger was born on February 8, 1914, and lived until January 18, 1974, at the young age of 59. That was you know, kind of young to go. Yeah. He was, so he passed away three years before I, uh, I, I came into this world. Wow. Yeah, Enos was a man, young man of, what, 45? <laughs> I wish. Uh, yeah. 74, I was seven. Seven? There you go. Yeah, you recently had a birthday, so happy birthday, my Thank friend. Thank you. Thank you. But yes, to, uh, speaking of what Enos was talking about, Bill Finger was mostly responsible for the, the look of, of, of Batman. Bob Kane brought, uh, you know, brought out the, uh, the, the, the idea for him, but Bill Finger brought out, brought out a lot of the look. Um, Bob Kane had an idea for a character called Batman, and he had drawings of him. It was a character that looked very much like Superman, kind of reddish tights with boots, no gloves, no gauntlets, and a small domino mask. He had two stiff wings that were sticking out, looking like bat wings. 
and under you know just hearing this description yeah i i'm just thinking this character fails a uh, big time yeah this character fails so it doesn't doesn't seem to work here yeah it's like the uh it's like uh the first daredevil costume yeah oh, oh yeah yeah but you know what years later yeah. all these years later i like the yellow costume yeah it was different right yeah, it, it was, was different. different. And you know what? It shouldn't be all that great. He's a blind man, you know. Yeah. He's not gonna be like all fashion forward. He doesn't know anything about well, that. Well, I just it makes me wonder if this, if they dressed him like that because he was a blind man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, B- Bill Finger know. also wrote a lot of the original '40s Green Lantern stories, featuring Alan Scott, and contributed to the development of a lot of other comic book characters. Um, he offered such as he offered the suggestions of giving the cow instead of, instead of the domino mask, a cape instead of wings, gloves. And getting rid of the red because we had to do that. Um, his later, he said, his later, his suggestions were influenced by Lee Falk's popular Phantom. I know Enos wants to jump in on that. Oh yeah, well, uh, again, the uh, the impact of the we got to do a show on him because the, the Phantom, the, yeah, because yeah. a lot of people do not realize the impact that that character had. Because yeah. b- b- culture, because he was the first costume comic book character. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty saying he predated Batman by three years and Superman by two. And uh, b- b- very underrated character, but um, in Australia, he is a cultural icon. He's so popular. There's stores where you can, I mean, numbers of stores where you can go and buy Phantom memorabilia. So if you're a Phantom fan and then live in um, Australia, you can clean up. Yeah. Um, Bill Finger was also responsible for the, for the name of his alter ego, Bruce Wayne. Hmm. So who knows who it would have been? You never know. I mean, Batman could have ended up being, you know, Thomas Barr. You never know. Doubt it. No, I so do I. But, you know, we can dream. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So... But yeah, so he came up with a lot of it. And, you know, he is definitely a co-creator and had his hand, like I said, had his hands in it, you know, every bit as much as, as Bob Kane. He did a lot of the r- early writing on Batman while Kane did the art. Um, it says that Bruce Wayne's first name came from Robert Bruce, the Scottish Patriot. And uh, Wayne came from Mad Anthony Wayne, right? Yeah, yeah. and, uh, and um, Finger wrote the initial script for Batman's debut in, in Detective Comics 27, a book we all wish we had. Mm. And the character's second appearance while Kane provided the art. Batman, of course... Was a hit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't think anybody can argue with that. Uh, he went on to write, to write many of the early Batman stories, including making co- major contributions to the character, the Joker. Um, now, we all know that Joker was, of course, based off the character, uh, Conrad Vec's uh, character, Gwynplaine, from The Man Who Laughs. Um, and, you know, there was others involved in the creation of that, too. But, I mean, Bill Finger was definitely a guiding force here. It's a shame that he, you know, he just he wasn't getting, wasn't getting all, all the credit that he... They deserved here. Yeah, Bob Kane, huh? Gotta uh, love him. Gotta and, love him. And and as I was saying earlier, it was decades before Kane would give him his due. Yeah, and, and I mean, we'll get to it later. And unfo- because unfortunately, it was after his death. Yeah, before yeah. before he uh, before he. But he was working for Kane Studios, and eventually he left uh, to work directly for DC, where he handled script for other characters, you know, Batman and Superman, um, as part of the Superman mythos that would had created on the radio it made its way kryptonite made its way into the the storybooks with a story by bill finger and al pastino in superman 61 
So it looks like he had a hand in creating kryptonite. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, good. I mean, I think that was the issue at the time, is that um, artists, yeah. artists would take control of the property, and then people who are, were like writers, you know, take control of the narrative. You know, the artist would just write, uh, draw, you know, draw the character and draw them and doing something, mm-hmm. you know, and not necessarily have a narrative. So that's what Bill Finger was kind of overlooked, because the narrative is important, especially if you're doing radio drums. Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah. As the writer of Superboy, Finger gave us uh, Lana Lang. So he created uh, Superboy's love interest, you know, the, the character that, that Clark Kent would be wow. in love with prior to Lois, Lois Lane. Lane. So, and a lot of character, a lot of people feel that he should have married. Yeah, Lana Lang is a, was, was pretty popular. Nope. Um, continuing his work with Batman, they introduced him and artist uh, Sheldon Moldoff introduced Ace the Bat-Hound. You gotta love Ace. Yeah. You nope. gotta love Ace Absolutely. the Bat-Hound. Uh, that is in Batman 92 in, in 55. Uh, Batmite and Detective 267 in yeah. 1959. Not that, every idea is the greatest. That, that's crazy, though, when you think about this, that Detective Comics 267 came out in 1959. That, you know, it's just, I don't yeah. know. I, I mean, I guess it's really not that crazy when you consider Detective Comics is up to 1,018. Yeah, it's right. But at the same time, it's like, right, you know, that's just insane, the run that Detective Comics has had. Uh, Clayface, created Clayface in Detective Comics 298. Uh, Betty Kane, the original Batgirl in Batman 139. Uh, he also has, has written for other companies, including Fawcett Comics, Quality Comics, and uh, Timely Comics, which was, of course, the predecessor to Marvel, where he created the All Winners Squad in All Winners Comics ni- uh, 19, which we do as, a, as an early, uh, early Captain America team-up. So, big stuff there. And as we were saying, you know, Bob Kane, uh, in 94, Bob Kane did give Finger some co-credit for creating, uh, for co-creating Batman Nemesis the Joker, uh, despite claims on the character by artist Jerry Robinson, mm. um, who was one of the, one of the major creators there. Um, Bill was the, he says, Bill Finger and I created, this is a quote from Kane, Bill Finger and I created the Joker. Bill was the writer. Jerry Robinson came to me with a playing card of the Joker. That's the way I sum it up. The Joker looks like Conrad Veck. You know, the actor in The Man Who Laughs, the 1928 movie based on the novel by Victor Hugo. Bill Finger had a book with a photograph of Conrad Veck and showed it to me and said, here's the Joker. Jerry Robinson had absolutely nothing to do with it, but he'll always say he created it till he dies. He bought in a playing card, which he used for a couple issues for him, the Joker and his playing card. So maybe we'll never know the full truth behind that. I think it's been pretty much, you know over the years been uh, that Jerry Robinson had quite a bit more than what Kane's given him credit for. And yeah. based, based on what we know of Bob Kane, I'm thinking that that's probably the case, mm-hmm. but who knows, who knows for sure, who knows for sure, especially since, you know, none of the players are with us anymore. Right. So it is what you got on uh, some bill finger for me. I got, um, in addition to what you've already went over, it, was, it says here, Kane decades later in his autobiography described Finger as a contributing force on Batman right from the beginning. I made Batman a superhero vigilante when I first created him. Bill turned him into a scientific detective. Finger biographer Mark Tyler Nobleman described Bob Kane showed, a Batman, showed Batman to editor Vin Sullivan, who was one of the top editors of DC Comics at the time without Bill. Vin promptly wanted to run Batman, and Bob negotiated a deal without Bill. Comics is a dirty business, folks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it says, and as um, 
Um, Tommy has already alluded to, Finger wrote both the initial script for Batman's debut in Detective Comics number 27 and the character's second appearance while Kane provided the art, which Batman proved to be a breakout hit. Um, Finger went on to write the many, many stories and talked about the Joker character. And um, what I was very um, impressed with was what he did is work with the Golden Age Green Lantern. Yes. 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 He, that, um, and how... And a lot of people do not know this, but the Golden Age Green Lantern is a resident of Gotham City. Yes, he so, is. So I was very surprised that they didn't have him and Batman team up more often, especially in the later years after the films came out. So that, um, did, um, but Batman, if you've um, noticed, was very prominent when Jeff Johns took over the character after Rebirth, and he made a, quite a few appearances in the Rebirth storyline and the subsequent Green Lantern series afterward. There's a great story by Ed Brubaker, um, in in the man in his in the uh, hardback, the man who laughs. I cannot remember it for the save my life, but it but it features Alan Scott and Batman in Gotham City. Excellent story. Yeah. So yes, indeed. Um, but yeah, he also, he had a hand in creating the uh, creating the Penguin, Two Face, the Riddler. All the greats. Um, all greats. Yeah, you know, the Riddler was not supposed to be a big time player in Batman until the TV series came along, and then yeah, you know, of course Frank Gorshwin knocked yeah. that out the park. Oh yeah, he did. So, but yeah, all created by um by Bill Finger. Yeah, you know, this is a man that, like I said, unfortunately a lot of a lot of people have never don't don't really have the you know, you know Bob Kane, but you don't necessarily know Bill Finger, and you know you guys need to because he's his work is legendary. Uh, like you said, like Enos was was saying, Green Lantern. You know, he did get a byline, the original Green Lantern, Alan Scott, who debuted in All-American Comics 16. I would love to have that oh, book. Oh, yeah. That would be an amazing book to have. Uh, both writer and artist received, uh, received credit on the byline with Nodell in the earliest issues under using the pseudonym Matt Dellen. <laughs> According to Nodell, Finger was bought in to write scripts after Nodell had already conceived the character. Nodell received, recalled in an undated later interview. When I sent it in, I waited into the second week, and I heard and I heard the word come in. I was ushered to use Mr. Max Gaines' office publisher, and after sitting a long time flipping through the pages of my presentation, he announced, "We like it," and then get to work. I did the first five pages of an eighty-page story, and they called him Bill Finger to help. We worked on it for seven years through nineteen forty-seven. Mm. So he had a major hand in, in Alan Scott, who's a character I've always liked. Oh yeah, yeah. I wouldn't yeah. I wouldn't be opposed to a new Alan Scott ongoing. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, he definitely needs um he I definitely want to see him when they do the green the next Green Lantern motion picture or within you know the series of pictures, he has to be honored because he was the first. He was the first, yeah. And you know, not that that's something too a lot of earlier you know, fans don't realize that, you know. And his weakness was wood. 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 It wasn't the color yellow or, or anything like that. It was the it was wood. Uh, Finger was was did some screenwriting. He co-wrote the films Death Comes to Planet Attilan, The Green Slime, and The Track of the Moon Beast. He contributed to scripts of the TV series Hawaiian Eye and 77 Sunset Strip. He also co-wrote a two-part episode, The Clock King's Crazy Climb and The Clock King Gets Crowned, airing October 12th and 13th, 1966, in season two of the live-action Batman mm. TV series. Yep. And this... This is what really, really sucks. Because, again, it was his first public credit for a Batman story. Damn. So and that was like 
seven, 27 years after, after the fact. Yeah. After he helped create the character, he all, finally... All those characters. All those characters. He finally gets credit for writing a story. Shame. Yeah, this is... Like I said, this, it, it, it's shameful. I mean, you know... It, 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 it is. It is. Um, and, and it's... What, what happened to him... Siegel and Schuster and numerous creators during the golden age of comics is what led to image being created because they wanted, excuse me, they wanted, they wanted control and wanted credit for what they did. Yeah. Then the publishers were taking, owned the creative property. Exactly. And you know, a lot of this with him not getting credit though, that's on Bob Kane. Oh yeah. I mean, that's almost exclusively on Bob Kane. Um, you know, he, he negotiated a contract with National Comics, which was the future DC that signed away ownership of the character in exchange for, among other compensations, a sole mandatory byline on all Batman comics and, and adaptations. Yeah. You know, so Finger's that's how name he made his money. Right. So Finger's name did not appear on an official credit for a Batman story until 2015. Other other than that, you know the the Batman like the TV, TV show. show in '66 on an actual comic book, it did not appear until 2015. Exactly, right after, and his and where he was first credited with creating the character on um on movies, TVs, or tele movies, television, or an animation was during Batman versus Superman in 2013 when they had Batman created by Bob Kane with Bill Finger. Yeah, he he did get some limited acknowledgement for his writing work in the 60s uh, in the letters page of Batman 169. Uh, editor Jules Schwartz does credit him with creating the Riddler. So, I mean, he, at least he got a little something. But, you know, this man really did not get the credit he deserved in for his lifetime, yeah. in his lifetime. And that's, exactly. and that's, that's, that's tragic. Yeah. I just, I, I can't fathom that it took till 2015 to get him on a byline for Batman. Exactly. And if it had not been for his granddaughter pushing for, 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 for him to get that recognition... I think we, we may, he may not got we, we may have not received what he's getting now, and um, have y'all noticed? Um, I don't know if y'all paying attention to it or not. When they um, interview Bob Kane's widow, she never calls his name. Bill Fingers. Been she never calls Bill Fingers' name. Everything was about Bob Kane, and I'm like, you know, I remember the um, there was a couple of the older comic shop where I um, live, this lady thought that Bob Kane was the biggest egomaniac, and I never understood why until I bought Batman and Me. Mm -hmm. And I read what he talked about. I've never seen a person glorify himself the way he did in that book. Mm. And and, um, now I know why why, um, Jeannie, that was her name, um, Jeannie didn't like him. And why she thought he was ego man, because a very if you read that, it's a very egotistical person who told that story. Bob Kane. Yeah. Yeah, and and you know, no one's doubting his place in comic book history. You know, he is the co-creator of Batman. Oh I yeah. Mean, but but it took so long for for it to be a co-creator. Exactly. Right. I mean, exactly. Right. He he took everything for himself, and I mean, it's just it, it it's a different time back then. I I don't. But yeah, this. Some right is right and wrong is wrong. Right, right is right and wrong is wrong. You know? it, it, there's no two ways about it, and 
And but but if anything, this laid again for allowing allow me to reiterate this laid the groundwork for the creator own properties now. Yeah. And and people are making sure that they're not going to get took like that again, especially when they make a, such a mess. Can you imagine if Jerry Siegel had did that to Joe Schuster or vice versa? Oh yeah, yeah that yeah. that would have been that would have been horrible. And you know, you you talked about it earlier. You brought up this quote. You know, in '89, Kane acknowledged fig- Finger as a contributing force in the character's creation, and wrote that now that my longtime friend and collaborator is gone, I must admit that Bill never received the fame and recognition he deserved. He was an unsung hero. Well, why couldn't you have given him that during right. his lifetime? Exactly. Num- number one, and at and number two, if he was such an unsung hero. Why didn't you let him start them start putting his name on the byline? Exactly. Even it's, in eighty nine. I mean, it would still have been long overdue. Long overdue, but dude, but, but it's that better was than two thousand fifteen. Yeah. Right. I mean it, you know, it the man had been gone for what, close to forty years. Twenty uh, twenty five years. Right. Twenty five yo, know, in two thousand you know, it's just no. I mean no, uh, eighty nine, fifteen years. Right. Yeah, you know, been so it's just yeah, it, 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 like I said, right is right and wrong is wrong. You know, it goes before. If I could go back fifteen years before he died, I would like to say, "I'll put your name on it now. You deserve it." But you still didn't put but his name. You still didn't it. do it. But you still didn't do it. And um, you remember when you guys went to the con and Randy picked up that oversized Batman for me? Yes. That came out about a couple of months after Bill Finger died. I meant I was trying to get out of the house. I wanted to get on the road early because I didn't know how the conditions of the roads were due to the uh, inclement weather yesterday. But there is a big write-up. If I remember, I'll bring it in next week, and I'll read that before we start our show. But but DC did honor him and acknowledge his, um, his contribution to Batman, even though Bob Kane didn't, and many others as time went on, did that to the point where it picked the curiosity of a lot of people, but it was his granddaughter who saw that there were people who recognized what Bill Finger had did and his contribution to what we know as Batman, and she pushed for him to get the credit that he so richly deserved and was long overdue that he sadly didn't live to see. Yeah. Fingers contemporary artist, writer Jerry Robinson worked from Kane with Kane from the beginning, and he said this Bill had more to do with the molding of Batman than Bob. He just did so many things at the beginning, creating almost all the other characters, the whole persona, the whole temper. Batman inker George Russosis, another contemporary, said Bob Kane had rough ideas, but Bill was the man behind Batman. Mm. Um, a DC Comics press release in, in 07 said, Kane, along with Bill, writer Bill Finger, had just created Batman for predecessor National Comics. So he did, you know, they, they started, they did start, you know, recognizing him. But, you know, even then, it's still not on his, on the byline. And it should have been. It's a shame. Because, I mean, anybody who's read a comic book, a Batman, a Batman comic book, has always seen that Created by Bob Kane in big egotistical letters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, it's just and every single one of those little uh, things you see. You know, you're just thinking it's like Bill Finger is just completely being ignored. Mm. Everything that you love about this Batman character that you're writing, that Neil Adams is drawing, it's an excellent story. Is so much more than what Bob Kane contributed to Batman. Oh, right, yeah. right. Because if you, you know, you heard that description of what Bob Kane uh-huh. had Batman looking like. 
that character does not survive the Golden Age comics. Absolutely. No. That, and, and I think that's what makes his story so infuriating and sad at the same time. Yeah. Because with what he did, that's you can't get a higher form of robbery than that. And 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 and, and it's just like it and it it just just reiterates the fact that you go and put your heart into something and then you don't get what get will get your due for it. And then you leave this earth and then you're appreciated so long after you leave this earth. Yeah. And you know, he did get credit for some of his work for National Sister Company, All American Publications. Right. Um, for example, the first Wildcat story in Sensation One does have the byline by Erwin Hansen and Bill Finger. Now, I love Wildcat. Yeah. But he ain't Batman. Uh, no. Yeah. And he and, and he's also very integral to the Batman mythology because he's one of the many people who taught Batman. I was gonna say, what in the Golden fights. Age? Wasn't he one of Batman's trainers? Yes. Yeah, and, and he 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 was one of the many who taught him the many fighting styles that he knows. Yeah. So yeah, he was a you know a, a definitely a huge part. So it's like good to to bring those together. Um, writer John Broom and penciler Gil Kane created the comic book William William Hand, a.k.a. Black Hand, as a tribute to Finger, on whom the character's name and likeness were based. Yep. So that's, that's yep. good. I like that, you know. Um, in Sept- uh, yeah, as we've been talking about, in September 2015, DC Entertainment announced Finger would receive credit on the 2016 superhero film Batman vs. Superman, Dawn of Justice, and the second season of Gotham following a deal between the Finger family and DC. Hmm. So it's good to see that. I, I did not care for that movie, but I'm glad that the guy got his due on the movie finally. And I'm glad his family fought so hard. Yeah. For it. Right. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, he, you know, it, they deserved it. And, you know, when you think about all the money that Batman oh, has made. Lord. just Well, I mean, Enos touch, touched on it uh, briefly earlier about how um, it had uh, echoes into modern era of comic books. Uh, to the point where, like, image comic books and these uh, third parties came out in the 90s because writers and uh, uh, artists wanted to control uh, the property rights to the characters that they create. And even up to that point, into the, like, the early 90s, when uh, Image came out and so forth, that's when um, uh, writers started, say, getting uh, control of the intellectual property. Now, here's the thing. It's like characters like Batman, Superman... You know Wolverine. You know they're 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 always they're like grandfathered in. They're always going to be controlled by like right. DC or Marvel. Right. And so um, uh, they're going to have to like pay writers more to write to char- that character that's their property. But the people who started Image Comic Books, they get all the residuals from you know oh, yeah. the usage of the property. Every time somebody watches that horrible ass Spawn movie with John Leguizamo, like, <laughs> you know it's you know some people uh, Todd McFarlane's getting some money. Yeah. So um, they laughing all the way to the bank. Yes, that's exactly why. You know, uh, the the sad tragedy of Bill Finger has ramifications even to this day. Right. And he received his first formal credit as Batman, as a creator of Batman on the 2015 comic books, Batman and Robin Eternal number three and Batman Arkham Knight Genesis number three. The the updated acknowledgement for the character appeared as Batman created by Bob Kane with Bill Finger. Right. I I think it should say and, but. But I, 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 I imagine the estate of Bob Kane. Fought against that. It's, I wouldn't doubt with, it. Yeah, I wouldn't I, doubt it. Should it should be with Bill. Finger. I mean, yeah. with okay, but you know, 
from what we've gone over tonight and from what we've heard that you know other people mm-hmm. said it, it it maybe even said should say Bill, Bill Finger, Finger and with Bob, Bob Kane and Bob Kane exactly so, the other way around right it might even be the other way around but you know it's great to be you know that he's you know finally getting his due I, those are the books I'm gonna have to look up to see if I can get a hold of I'm you know I'm, I'm sure you can probably get them for a song but I mean you know in comic book history it's yeah, man, it's, it's worth pretty it. important to you know to have those first bylines with with Bill Finger. Yeah, um, and it, as a writer, I mean, it's got to be tough not to see your name. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I know. I love. I mean, every I I have a couple books available on Amazon, and so I mean, I just I feel like the something I created, um, or rather, everything I created has my name on it, and so like how lucky that is, you know. I don't have somebody out there like making money off some idea I had. Right. Right. Um. He is the subject of the Hulu original documentary Batman and Bill, which preferred, uh, premiered in 2017. I'm gonna have to check that out. I yeah, didn't. I, I didn't realize that was out there, but I, I definitely think I need to check that out. I, if I'd realized that was out there, I probably would have watched it in yeah. preparation for the show. Yeah, right. So I really wish I'd known that before before this evening. Hmm. Wait, so um, you looked this up right, like right now? No, no. I I, 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 I thought you posted the notes for this like two days ago. I did. I did. So you but had time to watch a Hulu I, show. I probably did. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Put yeah. you on the spot, bro. Yeah. Yeah. I probably did. So I kind of dropped the ball there, but. But he was posthumously inducted in the Jack Kirby Hall of Fame in 1994 um, and the Will Eisner Award Hall of Fame in 99. Uh, in 85, DC Comics named him as one of the honorees of the, in the company's 50th anniversary yep. publication, 50 Who Made DC Great. Should be up there near the top one, you know, like in the top five, I would mm. say, probably, yeah. in, in my personal opinion. Uh, in his honor, Comic-Con International established in 2005 the Bill Finger Award for Excellence in Comic Writing which is given annually to two recipients, one living and deceased, who have produced a significant body of work in the comics field. Finger posthumously aw- received an Inkpot Award in 2014. On December 8, 2017, the southeast corner of East 192nd Street and the Grand Concourse in the Bronx was named Bill Finger Way. The corner was chosen for its proximity to Poe Park, where Finger and Kane used to meet to discuss the Batman character. Hmm. So he's gotten some due. Well, I'd rather be remembered that way than have my big-ass name, my stupid-ass signature all over everything I've ever drawn. Yeah. Yeah. So he's gotten some due, but this this is a man that didn't get his due during life, and it, it it's a shame. But he, I think that that's why we, you know, he's been honored in a much diff- different way than Bob Kane has. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know? Because uh, every, everyone who knows is like there's a value to being a writer, somebody who cre- you know creates a narrative or creates background to something, uh, a character. You know, there's value to it, and everyone saw how like unrecognized he had been over the years, right? So, and you know, we do not have Batman today without Bill Finger. No, exactly. Yeah, we do not. That that character Bob Kane creates yeah, doesn't a guy, last a year. He would have been a a a, a, a PI kind of guy, private dick kind of guy. Yeah, who yeah. Who just happened to, happened to dress like a bat, but I still carry a gun. See? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, 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 that's right, that's right. Bill Finger introduced the evolution into this kind of silly vigilante world where it's uh, you have ridiculous characters who can be terrifying. I mean, mm-hmm. Joker killing, like in some of those early Joker stories. Man, he was vicious. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, but still, you know, you're still not getting any credit. It's just the, the that big friggin' circle of Bob mm-hmm. Kane. Yeah. Bob Kane, yep. You know, he B bo- circle. Bob Kane did him wrong. He had an opportunity to do him right, and you know, even many when he times, said, he, and even and even when he times. said he wished he could, had did him right, he still didn't do him. Right. He didn't. That wasn't his intention. He, he, I'm gonna tell you something. My mother always had a saying 
never say you're sorry because if you were sorry, you would have never done it in the first place. I never understood why she said that until I got older. And and this is apropos, and, and what she said is apropos for what we're talking about tonight. There's no sense in saying, I wish I should have, could have, would have, because you never had the intention. Because I listened to his wife talk on his interview, on the interviews, she doesn't even call the guy's name. I'm talking about Finger. Yeah. yeah. And and and, uh, and for fans, you don't believe me? Pick up uh, pick up the box set of the Batman films from Batman up until Batman Begins, and watch the documentaries. Documentaries. All the special editions. Sir? Yeah, on the special one. Um, she does. I'll tell y'all who his wife was. Remember that annoying gossip writer in uh, Batman Forever and Batman and Robin Gossip Gertie. Mm-hmm. That was that was. <laughs> That was Kane's wife, ah. Elizabeth Sanders Kane. Nice. And she and and any interviews that they do with about or in regard to her in reference to Bob Kane, she doesn't even call Finger's name. Not that I expect her to, but I mean, if you're gonna sit up here, Bob Kane is gone. If you're gonna get on the microphone and and tout this man, you need to accept a little bit of responsibility for the fact that there was a man that made Batman who he was that your husband did not have any contribution to, and you ignore him. So that's almost as bad as Kane doing it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, it looks like we're just about out of time here tonight before our discussion on Bill Finger. I hope you guys found it uh, informative. We always like to talk about the about the greats on here, especially when they, they don't get their due. Hopefully you learned a little bit more about Ho- hopefully Batman. Hopefully it didn't make you too angry. Right. Yeah, yeah hopefully it didn't make you too angry and you learned a little bit more than what you did before on, on one, of, uh, one of these legendary creators. So for Enos, Madman, and myself, Randy should be back next week from my understanding. Yo, thank you for listening to us on Lost in Longbox. We hope you have a great evening. And don't forget to check us out on Facebook, Patreon, and um, and check us out on um, my Facebook page is Batman Yesterday, Today, and Forever. YouTube, yeah, and YouTube, oh yeah, and check yeah, us out on YouTube, us on YouTube as well. We we simulcast every Wednesday night from six thirty to seven thirty. We love having you with us, and oh, and go and check out our Lost and Long Box pages, Batman Yesterday, Today, and Forever, the realm of superheroes, comics, and pop culture, and gather together the greatest superhero teams ever. Yes, check indeed. Us. Check us all out. Good night, everyone. Good night, everyone.